30 seconds has begun. Chair, staff is ready when you are. Good evening. Welcome to the February 15th, 2024 Active Transportation Commission. The meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Thank you, Chair. Commissioners, please unmute your mics for the roll call. Commissioner Banks? Here. Commissioner Dower Westbrook? Here. Commissioner Erasmus? Here. Commissioner Gibson? Here. Vice Chair Gonzalez? Here. Commissioner Harris? Here. Commissioner Hopped? Here. Commissioner Moore? Here. Commissioner Rowe? Present. And Chair Hodel? Present. Thank you, we have a quorum. I would like to remind members of the public in chambers that if you would like to speak on an agenda item, please turn in a speaker slip when the item begins. You will have two minutes to speak once you're called on. After the first speaker, we will no longer accept speaker slips. We will now proceed with today's agenda. Please rise for the opening acknowledgments in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisenan people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, Patwin Wintun peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe, may we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States and to the Republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. <laughs> we'll change the order of the agenda today just a little bit. Our first business today will be the commission staff report. Staff, you may proceed. Thank you, Chair. Um, good evening, folks. Jennifer Donlin Wyant, Transportation Planning Manager. Glad to be here with you this evening. I have a relatively short um, oral staff report. The first um, item I wanted to share with you is an update on the general plan update. So um, that was before you in the fall. The um, uh, city anticipates bringing that for recommendation for adoption to City Council on February 27th. Uh, a little bit less than two weeks away, so I wanted folks to know that that is moving forward. I also wanted to let you know that your 2023 annual report went before the PNPE Committee of City Council this Tuesday, and it was recommended to move forward to full City Council. 
um, on consent. And the anticipated day for that is March 12th. I say anticipated for both because things are always in flux, but that is the anticipation. I encourage everybody to check the city website for actual dates once those are posted. Um, the other thing I wanted to share, and this is a, bit, a little bit unexpected, we have a special guest in our audience today. We have an artist in residence that is embedded in our team um, to help us engage and connect with members of the public through art. It's a limited term position. And so Melissa Muganzo, who is with us today in the audience, if you can see her, is here tonight learning what we do and how we do our work as a commission and how maybe the work that we do can inform how we engage our communities. <coughs> so uh, Melissa, thank you for joining us this evening. Uh, and with that, that is my staff report. Thank you very much. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips for the consent calendar. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Uh, Commissioner West Dor Westbrook? Right now. Okay, perfect. Um, I'd like to pull the ATC log um, off consent. Uh, and add an additional item. Um, so I can proceed with that or, yeah. I don't know how to proceed here. <laughs> We've never done this, it's oh, okay. new territory. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we will be hearing, uh, voting on the items separately. So the first is the approval of the commission, Active Transportation Commission meeting minutes which will need a motion. I move to approve the minutes. Second. I, uh, from Commissioner Banks, second. I have a motion by Commissioner Hopped and a second by Commissioner Banks. Will the clerk please call the roll for the vote? Thank you, Chair. Commissioners, please unmute for a roll call vote. Commissioner Banks? Yes. Commissioner Doer Westbrook? Here? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Commissioner Erasmus? Yes. Commissioner Gibson? Yes. Vice Chair Gonzalez? Aye. Commissioner Harris? Abstain. Commissioner Hopped? Aye. Commissioner Moore? Aye. Commissioner Rowe? Aye. Chair Hodel? Aye. Thank you. The motion passes for the approval of minutes. Uh, thank you. We'll now, now what do we do? Uh, now we can proceed to item two, the Active Transportation Commission log. Okay. Um, item number. Oh, okay. So now I recognize Al, uh, Commissioner Dorr, uh, Dorr Westbrook. Great. Thank you. Okay, the additional item I'd like to add to the log, um, I've addressed all four questions. It's no right on red. Uh, my question to be answered, has the city of Sacramento had any conversations around banning right on red? Uh, the strategy has recently been adopted in San Francisco to reduce traffic collisions and make streets safer for pedestrians and cyclists. 
I'd like the ATC to have a conversation about this approach and discuss how this strategy could help us reach our Vision Zero goals. Uh, in response to what commission duty this is connected to, um, I picked number four, review and discuss current walking and bicycling issues and advise staff, staff and council. And question number four, how does it respond to ATC statement on equity? Right turn on reds pose a threat of injury and death to people walking and biking. Studies show that this disproportionately impacts communities of color, children, seniors, and those with disabilities. So I would like, I guess, to have that added and then we would vote on it um, as a commission. Okay, so now we need a second. I second. Uh, second by uh, Vice Chair Gonzalez. And and now we need to call roll for the vote. Uh, just to clarify, so the motion was by Commissioner Doer Westbrook mm -hmm. to amend the active transportation commission log. That's correct. All right, please unmute for roll call vote. Oh, I apologize. Um, Public comments, I have not received any speaker slips for public comments on item two uh, or the consent calendar as a whole. And now proceeding with the roll call vote. Do we need to ask for commissioner comments on, are there any, are there any yeah. commissioner comments on this item? Okay, I don't see any. Oh, thank you. Uh, Commissioner Harris? I do not have a comment on the new item. I would ask that we, um, that staff provide an update on the two items that are pending and have TBDs that are assigned to me. Uh, on the roll, there's been uh, two items on the log for two years assigned to me without a date for status. I request that we get a date or status. Commissioner Harris, thank you very much for that, that comment. The two items that you're referring to is the semi-annual update on the Vision Zero Top 5 Corridor Projects and Vision Zero Action Plan Implementation. Uh, that item, uh, we have had staff capacity issues to do our benchmarking around that effort. We recently hired a data analyst to help us with that, and so as we, we go through that process to bring the data analyst on board, we'll be able to inventory that and do that benchmarking and bring it before the commission. Um, additionally, we are um, getting ready to update our Vision Zero Action Plan, and as part of that process, we'll be bringing that before this commission. The other item is the semi-annual update on bicycle and pedestrian master plan projects. Um, we, as a reminder, we, we, our work plan is approved by the city manager and our work plan does not include semi-annual updates on progress on bicycling uh, in the city. <coughs> However, as part of the Streets for People Active Transportation Plan, we'll be bringing that information forward. Uh, my understanding is, is that in, I would say the next six to nine months, we'll have that information. Thank you. Thank you. <coughs> so we have a motion on the floor by Commissioner Dor Westbrook and a second by Vice Chair Gonzalez. And clerk will proceed to the vote. Thank you, Chair. Commissioners, please unmute for a roll call vote. 
Commissioner Banks? Aye. Commissioner Doer Westbrook? Aye. Commissioner Erasmus? Aye. Commissioner Gibson? Aye. Vice Chair Gonzalez? Aye. Commissioner Harris? Aye. Commissioner Hopped? Aye. Commissioner Moore? Aye. Commissioner Rowe? Aye. Chair Hodel? Aye. Thank you. The motion passes. We will now proceed to the discussion calendar. Item number three is project overview and schedule Truxel Bridge concept and feasibility study. And by Sparky Harris. It's me. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. <clears throat> Can you hear me okay? Still got a little bit of a frog. Um, I know myself, so I'm going to read off my notes so that I can actually keep this concise or else I love both of these projects and I'll ramble on for hours. So uh, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, for the record, my name is Fidolia Bailey Harris. I'm a principal planner with the Public Works Department, better known as Sparky. I've um, been working on this Truxel project as well as the Dixie Ann project that you're here about for some time now. And I was really looking forward to coming to the Active Transportation Commission and getting your feedback on that. So with that, I'll jump into it. Um, this one? Cool. Um, I'm here today to introduce the Truxel Bridge Concept and Feasibility Study in an effort to explain what it is and what it isn't, and to answer any questions that you have. To start, I want to be clear that we are very early in the process of constructing a new bridge over the Lower American River, as you can see here. The reasons we are even considering a crossing in this location is laid out in the elements of the need and purpose statement that was adopted in 2013 and carried forward to this study. The number of crossings of the Lower American River create issues related to infill development, access to jobs, and emergency vehicle response times. The longer trips required to across the river at the existing bridges makes walking and biking less attractive, which leads to more vehicular trips and the associated impacts. Yeah, this is where a couple of my slides got twisted. Uh, two of the existing options to cross the Lower American River do not have sufficient infrastructure to encourage walking and biking, and the other two are prone to seasonal flooding. And I think you're probably all familiar with the four options here, the Jaboom Street Bridge, I-5 Bridge, State Route 160, and the Pipes, the Pipes Bridge, which is a bicycle and pedestrian. So in 2013, Council was presented with the American River Crossing Alternative Study, which I also managed, which analyzed eight options, including five new structures. Council accepted the study report, including the need and purpose statement, as guidance for future crossings and identified three preferred crossing alternatives for future funding consideration. Those alternatives were improvements to the I-5 bridge, reconfiguration of the connection between State Route 160 and the Northgate Boulevard, and a new all-modes bridge aligned with Truxell Road. And in 2021, council directed staff to apply for grant funding for the Truxell Bridge Feasibility Study, which was awarded that same year in partnership with SACOG. So the objective of the study 
is to advance the concept of the bridge connection uh, from Truxell and Garden Highway across the river to Sequoia Pacific in the River District. So really, we know where the bridge starts and ends, and what we're trying to figure out is exactly how that connection works, including the cross-section, vertical alignment, horizontal alignment, and the engineering involved. So Dock and Engineering was contracted to provide the following scope of work, looking at the engineering, environmental assessment, this is not CEQA or NEPA, this is high-level environmental, public engagement, as well as funding. A major component of the scope is, develop, is to develop cross-section options to accommodate all modes of travel consistent with the need and purpose study that was uh, accepted by council in 2013 that will use a bridge. Setting the horizontal alignment is important in an, in an effort to minimize property takes and to avoid major utilities. Setting the vertical alignment is important to ensure that the requirements of all of the regulatory agencies involved are met. Addressing flood control is important to ensure that the new infrastructure in the floodplain does not compromise the functionality of the levee system we have in place. Early environmental assessment is important to get an early read on the potential impacts, including biological and cultural resources, to, to, to allow us more time to thoughtfully address those mitigations instead of waiting until we get into a formal CEQA NEPA process. Structural analysis is important to ensure that we have a solid basis for the engineering and cost estimates moving forward. And finally, a funding strategy is, is important to start identifying and lobbying for federal, state, and regional funding that will be required to construct a project of this magnitude. It's uh, like I got reformatted a little bit, but we'll make this work. So three draft cross-sections have been developed that I'd like to share. Uh, the first is a mixed flow option that puts transit and cars in the same lanes uh, with shoulders for breakdowns, a multi-purpose path for pedestrians and bicyclists on one side, and a dedicated sidewalk for pedestrians on the other side. The second option separates cars from transit and consolidates pedestrians and bicyclists on one side in their own right-of-way. And then the third option is a more traditional layout that comes straight from the Green Line plan for um, uh, light rail to the airport, which splits transit, cars, bicyclists, and pedestrians into their own dedicated right-of-way on either side of the bridge. These three options were shared with the public at our January 10th community conversation for feedback and were made available online Monday for broader uh, engagement. Folks at the community conversation were asked the following questions uh, and a summary of their comments has been posted in a link on the website uh, that was just updated today. So as you can see, we plan to wrap up public engagement and preliminary investigations this summer in an effort to develop the funding strategy in the fall 
and complete all of the study documentation for council consideration in early 2025. I encourage you all to stay involved as the study progresses and I'd be happy to answer any questions. Oh, the next is public comment. Uh, clerk, is there any public comment on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have three speaker slips on this item. Our first speaker is Dan. Good evening, Commissioners. Um, my name is Dan Allison. I live in District 4 in the city. Um, my comments on the Truxell Bridge are not specifically about the alignment or the exact design of the bridge, but about the bridge itself. Um, when the bridge was approved by the county and SACRT, it did not include motor vehicles, and neither of those entities has approved a change. The city has asked them to, but they have not so far. So. That's a stopper to this study going forward because the county won't allow a motor vehicle bridge unless the Sacramento Parkway plan is changed. Um, secondly, light rail may never be built. Um, the two council members north of the river have both said that they don't want to wait 40 years for um, light rail. They want bus rapid transit. Bus rapid transit does not benefit greatly from the bridge at that location. It could use other bridges. Um, and a lot of things have changed since 2013. We're much more aware of the climate challenge, um, of not increasing, increasing BMT, and the city is in a different position financially than they were then. So I think it's time to question the project. Um, it has been claimed that this project will reduce BMT, um, but the evidence is really not there to back it up. And the estimates that were made show that alternative eight is a better VMT reduction than this bridge. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Our next public comment is from Troy. Hello. Uh, my name is Troy, District 4. I just want to uh, go a little bit more philosophical here. I want to talk about a car-free Truxell Bridge. According to the website, there are three requirements adopted over 10 years ago that supposedly disqualify a car-free option, but I want to interrogate each of those requirements first. The first requirement is that we should improve connectivity between the Central City and South Natomas. I think this is pretty subjective. Uh, Imagine yourself walking along a noisy freeway or strode and recall how that made you feel and how likely you are to visit again. Uh, to me, improving connectivity means eliminating, eliminating our city's greatest source of noise pollution, air pollution, our money pit, the overall source of stress that it causes. A human scale, high capacity pedestrian and transit bridge could encourage more people to use the bridge and come back and to enjoy access to our city's nearby natural resources. Uh, requirement number two, supposedly, increase, to increase evacuation and emergency response options. Okay, I think this ignores the possibility that the bridge can still be designed to support emergency vehicles only. 
I think that it also ignores the fact that adding roadway capacity and network connectivity for cars actually encourages car ownership, which could exacerbate the evacuation congestion possibilities. Uh, I think the way this requirement is interpreted is stuck in the 50s, frankly. Uh, finally, requirement three supposedly to provide local connectivity between the central city and South and Thomas to reduce using freeways for local trips. I think it's a naive to expect the freeways will still, that, that expect the freeways will be used less for local trips without removing freeway lanes. Uh, induced demand just called and told me that adding lanes won't fix traffic. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Uh, our last speaker is Matt. Good evening, commissioners. Matt Anderson, also District 4. Um, I'd like to echo actually something Sparky said. I think this is a cool project. Um, I, I want to just kind of pay uh, note that He's been working on this for over a decade, and staff has been working on this for over a decade. They've got a lot of experience in this. They've reached out to a lot of diverse stakeholders, and there's a lot of work that's been done there. So to come in at this point, it's hard to say, you know, we should revisit this. And I hate to do that, but I really do think there have been some monumental shifts, both in the way people move around, work from home has drastically changed the entire like transportation system and uh, the baseline assumptions of any of a 2013 study that might have been done um, and just uh, the climate emergency like Dan noted and uh, a million other things that have happened since then. I, I don't think that invalidates a lot of the needs um, and purposes that were originally identified, but I, I do agree that it would be, I think, worthwhile to go back and take a look and um, just kind of evaluate some of those assumptions and see if they're still needed. So appreciate your time. Thank you for your comment. Chair, I have no more speakers on this item. Thank you to the members of the public who came and spoke uh, this evening. Your input is greatly appreciated. Uh, thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Just to speak. Okay, here we go. Okay, Commissioner Rasmus. Thank you, and thank you very much for the presentation. And hello, I'm Sequoia, I'm a new commissioner. Um, yeah, I really appreciate uh, learning about this project and, and, and thinking about um, the benefits of increased connectivity. And um, from the staff report and the and the presentation there was a lot of information on sort of the engineering behind the ideas of the bridge but i'm wondering if you could go, give us a little bit more detail about the broader scope of this project including how it connects to other mobility projects throughout the city is it kind of like how is it communicating with the bicycle pedestrian or you know transit plans of the city um and yeah, I, I kind of, I, I, I'm struggling to understand it as an isolated thing. I want to understand it more in, in conversation. Um, and I'm also curious about some of the responses of the community conversation that we're had, what people were responding to the questions. Sure, I can start and let me know if I miss the mark here. But um, 
Just from a planning perspective, uh, the Truxell Bridge itself, and I, I will uh, shout out to Dan, um, the American River Parkway plan has anticipated a crossing of the Lower American River with a bicycle, pedestrian, and transit-only bridge at that location since 2010, I believe. Um, we are in conversations with the county to have that, um, that plan amended so that it would be an all-modes bridge. With that said, the mobility element of the city of Sacramento already shows it as an all-modes bridge. Um, the uh, SACOGs, Metropolitan Transportation, MTPSES, the M <laughs> our big regional plan already recognizes it as an all-modes bridge. Um, regional Transit, their original plan has it as a bike ped and transit bridge um, with one of the sequel alternatives that they were considering being an all-modes bridge in our conversations with them when they re-release the CEQA document, um, an all-modes bridge will be their preferred alternative. Um, we do see this as providing some missing links for our pedestrian and bicycling network in Sacramento. Um, I would like to acknowledge um, something that, that Matt mentioned about um, some shifts in transportation. And one of the big ones that I've heard in a lot of the community conversations that I've gone to so far is that um, even though they'll say more people are biking, what they're, they're saying kind of behind the scenes are more people are using e-bikes, which in their minds um, means that even more people that maybe wouldn't have ridden before are encouraged to bike and having this kind of connection makes it um, even more feasible and desirable for them to come from North and South Natomas into the central city because um, you know, getting to the River District right now might not be the, the greatest destination until it builds out a little bit more, but having an e-bike and not having to work so hard to get across the river definitely would be in their benefit. Um, like I mentioned in the, in the presentation, you do have Jaboom Street, you do have Pipes Bridge. Those are there, they're on the fringe of the Lower American River, they are prone to seasonal flooding, so this is something that you know people really can rely on. And another thing that I heard loud and clear from um, a lot of folks in the Northgate area is that there's a lot of service workers that are coming from Northgate into the central city at times when transit doesn't work for them. Um, you know, trying to get home at three or four in the morning after an evening shift doesn't work if you're on transit. Um, you can't walk if the bridges are flooded and their only option is to drive at this point. So if they had an option to actually be able to bike to work, um, not pay for parking, all of those things, that's, that's something else that seemed to really resonate with them. So I'm kind of all over the board there, but if there's anything else you'd like me to address that I didn't hit, please let me know. Yeah, if there could just be a way where when the conversations are documented, if, that, if the results could be shared at some point. Um, Commissioner Dor Westbrook. Okay, thank you. And thank you, Sparky, for your presentation. Um, I was just curious if you could share what work the city's done to actually look at the types of trips that are being taken so far. So, especially from um, North Natomas, I assume most people are getting um, using I 5, but um, I'm curious if you know like how many miles 
uh, folks are traveling right now and how this bridge could actually help in reducing the amount of uh, vehicle miles that people are traveling, traveling because they're having to go out of their way to access the highway to then go into downtown and midtown. So um, I felt like that, that piece was missing a little bit um, from what's available on the website right now. Um, I really appreciate uh, Troy's comments um, around why uh, this couldn't be just, you know, an active transportation mode bridge. I felt very similar when reviewing it. It kind of felt like it was written from the perspective of, like, well, vehicles will solve all of these problems, and so that's why we have to include cars. So um, maybe I think some reframing there would be could be helpful. But I think for me, really, what I want to know is, will this bridge actually allow existing residents to reduce the amount of vehicle miles traveled because it's shortening their distance to midtown and downtown? The answer is yes. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm sorry. That's some analysis that we did for the 2013 study. We actually looked at um, the BMT with and without the bridge, and that was one of the criteria that helped us land on this was, you know, a lot of people that are coming from north and south from Tumbas have to come onto the yeah. onto a state facility and that's really what resonated with me is we have local sacramento residents that are trying to get from one piece of sacramento to another piece of sacramento and they can't do it without getting on a state facility unless <clears throat> you count getting on jaboom street or pipes bridge which is pretty far out of the way for a lot of people um i could dig up those numbers yeah. they are going to do um some qualitative analysis of the VMT. I didn't want to spend money analyzing the VMT again because we already had an answer to that, but I did um, ask my consultants to at least refresh that analysis. Um, one thing, if I can just uh, piggyback on this a little bit, is it's not only the folks in their cars that are trying to get from north and south, between north and south and Tomas and the central city, it's also transit. Mm -hmm. Right now, RT is really interested in this bridge, not only for the long-range potential for light rail if and when they get that federal funding, but for either buses or bus rapid transit, because right now I believe there's only two or three bus routes that cross the river, and they all have to get on the freeway to make that connection. If they get caught in traffic, it makes it less reliable for their patrons, which makes them less likely to use it. Having this Truxel alignment, at least on the bridge, I can't, I can't um, guarantee it for the rest of Truxel, but our goal is to have dedicated right-of-way on this bridge for either buses, bus rapid transit, or light rail. Um, and that kind of dedicated right-of-way gives them the confidence that we can get from point A to point B at a you know, time certain, and it really encourages people to rely on something that they can, they can really count on. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I really appreciate that. I think being able to show the public that information um, would be beneficial um, because um, an increased vehicle miles travel is um, it's, it's being used from both sides. So one is saying that the bridge will increase it, the other is saying it won't. So I think the more um, data you can show that actually um, looks at the length of trips that are taking place now would be helpful. And then also, you know, if the city is able to make the case that an all-modes bridge could be done in, in, instead of needing to continue to expand existing uh, state facilities uh, to support our residents' travel uh, from, I, I, I know it's complicated, <laughs> um, but 
I mean, if those trips are being used to justify expansions. So I think, yeah, it is what's happening. So um, I do think that that's important. Um, last thing, um, for all the alternatives that were provided, thought they were all right, but I was, as someone looking at them, I was like, what are the width constraints? Like, what are we working with here? Um, and so I felt like just saying what it was, but not actually how much space um, we had made it hard for um, me to provide too many thoughts. I'll take credit for that. Okay. <laughs> I actually asked my consultants to take the numbers off. Oh, you did? Okay, I, I like the it numbers. It was a little confusing <laughs> for people because I really didn't want to get into the debate of, um, you know, when we show 11-foot lanes and you have the, the, you know, the public coming back and saying, hey, why can't we have 10-foot lanes? Yeah. Well, then we get into this big discussion with our engineers about standards and all of these things. Um, it, it's yeah. a little different when it comes to sidewalks, you know, whether people prefer a four-foot sidewalk or a six-foot sidewalk. But, yes, okay. those numbers will eventually be on there, but for these early concepts, I ask them to take it off. Okay, great. Well, I'll just on say... On your last comment, I'm sorry, I just have to oh, it's speak okay. on that for a second. Um, the problem with us saying, you know, oh, by providing this, maybe the freeways won't be expanded. They're not our freeways. So, I mean, Caltrans is going to do what Caltrans is going to do, regardless of what we tell them. So, I just want to be upfront with that. I, I would maybe push back that slightly as someone that works for said agency, but, um, <laughs> I, yeah. but we don't have a whole lot of leverage with them. I, I, totally, I totally get it. So, yeah, understand why you took it off. Um, the last recommendation was maybe an option for the community to propose to you all different alternatives. Um, and I'll leave it at that. Thank you. Commissioner Banks. Hi, Sparky. Thanks so much for the presentation. Um, I am a supporter of the Truxell Bridge minus cars. And um, I have the parkway plan in front of me. It was written in 2008, and I know that it's coming up for a revisit, et cetera. And it says very specifically about bridges. Uh, bridges cross, bridge crossings should incorporate the river themes, blah, 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 make it look and feel flowy, wavy. Parkway-ish, which is great. Then it says, if new automobile bridges are considered, which is what we're talking about here, expanding existing bridge capacity is preferred to constructing a new bridge. We know that Caltrans does have plans to widen I-5 and the bridge that would flow over the, um, the parkway already. That work is actually um, already underway. So I'm unsure about why we need to have cars coming over the Truxell Bridge. I love the idea of, of rapid bus transit and light rail, when light rail could possibly, in a future way down the road, um, have um, tracks over that thing. But um, the, the last thing that this says is if new automobile, automobile bridges are to be constructed over the American River, or existing automobile bridges are enlarged, these facilities should provide a path for bikes and pedestrians that's separated from vehicle lanes and viewing platforms. Viewing platforms, what a great idea. I love that. So I know that might be a price tag thing. But I guess what I'm saying is, if we already know that Caltrans has plans and is already implementing plans to expand um, I-5 and it's all of its um, highways heading up the Central Valley, then is there really a need to have cars come over the Truxell Bridge? I'd argue probably not, but I love the idea of rapid bus transit, light rail, and of course, pedestrians and bicyclists. I'll take that as a statement, not a question. Thank you. Uh, 
Commissioner Moore. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Sparky, also for the presentation. Very much appreciated. Uh, I, you made the comment earlier around, so option A had the shared right-of-way between transit and, or light rail and auto traffic, but then it sounds like the sentiment is more for a dedicated right-of-way between each modes. Is um, I mean, all three options are in play right now. I will share with you just openly that neither the transit providers or our emergency response folks are really keen on that option. Um, option A. For, for the same reason, yeah. Um, our fire trucks and, and police cruisers don't want to get stuck behind a bus or a train, and our trains don't want to hold up emergency services or get stuck behind a disabled car. So it's still on the table, and one of the reasons we put it on is it's the narrowest option, and one of the um, huge horizontal alignments that we're trying to deal with is when you come up Sequoia Pacific that's on the south side of the river, there's two buildings at the very end of the street. Right now they're both leased by uh, Cal OES and we're trying to snake the bridge between those two, two buildings without taking either one. <coughs> so by keeping that bridge as narrow as possible, it makes that more likely. Gotcha, I appreciate the expansion on that. I will say that I share the sentiment that option B and C are also preferred for the reasons that you mentioned earlier, right? The benefits of BRT and or light rail are not getting stuck in traffic and if they're sharing that, that lane, uh, that could be challenging. I do think, um, looking at what you provided, the, my preference would be in the biking experience that I do have, option B for the cycle track. Um, I think that it is largely preferred to have that all contained within one space. I think that the challenge that may be had with the one direction on each side is that as we see on the sidewalks and in streets, people don't always respect the direction that you're supposed to be traveling in, and so you'll end up with bi-directional traffic regardless. So having a cycle track where it can be at least organized or anticipated to have your side um, would be the preference there. Um, I think the only other thought too, and this is more tangential to the bridge itself, is that on the south side, right, you'll have Riverside District, fantastic. Um, on the north side, you land on Truxel, which is a nightmare to bike or walk and probably drive if you have to drive on it. Uh, so I'm hoping that, um, again, this isn't specific to the bridge, but I'm hoping that the city can also pursue plans or efforts to uh, revamp that with complete streets efforts or make that itself more bike and ped friendly, especially with the sleep train um, retrofit that's, that's taking place. That could be a significant trip generator. Um, and that's think all I all I have right now. Thank you. Wasn't a question, so I shouldn't answer it, but I'm going to anyways. <laughs> okay. um, <clears throat> keep your fingers crossed because one of the recommendations in the uh, general plan that should be coming to council at the end of uh, end of the month is actually a road diet on Truxel um, from two to four lanes, which could provide us a space to do more complete streets elements. This is why you're the best. Okay. Um, and then, sorry, last one, and I'm not a CEQA expert. Will the, will the CEQA document or analysis be able to, will that include a no car uh, analysis in there, or is it not even going to include that as a? That is TBD. Um, since we're just doing an environmental assessment at this point, we're just trying to get a good view of what the potential impacts could be. Um, we won't make a determination about the actual CEQA alternatives until we get into the CEQA document, which is the next phase gotcha. of work. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. Commissioner Gibson. 
Hi, I have uh, some pre-prepared slides for my commissioner comments. Just want to get those up first. Uh, while those get low, I just want to first uh, thank Sparky, uh, all of the city outreach team, AIM Consulting. Um, this is going to be a very long process if this bridge ever gets built. I just want to thank you guys for your efforts uh, in advance for that, uh, especially since this is the early part of the conversations. Hopefully the comments and recommendations from myself and other commissioners will be helpful as the project progresses. Um, I just want to first acknowledge that uh, I'm a District 3 resident. I use Troxel Bridge daily. Uh, my baby boy goes to childcare um, one intersection over from Garden Highway and Truxel Boulevard, uh, right literally next door to Reed Academy where we had that public engagement event. So thank you for reaching out to the community. Uh, I am in generally supportive of considering a new bridge option. Um, currently, the light, uh, there is no light rail alternatives for the 100,000 residents north of the river in the Natomas districts of one and three, even though two does, that's not Natomas, but for those north of the river. Um, also, um, we need that crossing to, to ever get to the, uh, get to the airport. Um, as many people know, Natomas being one of the newer neighborhoods um, is an auto-oriented design. Um, the vast majority of the travel is auto for a lot of reasons because of the master plan. The master plan was to drive cars and a lot of the expansions to transit and active transportation was not met in our initial plans. So um, hopefully we uh, start uh, moving the needle in a different way. Um, so again, I do feel that this bridge would fix the regular problem for cyclists because um, as everybody's mentioned, Discovery Park floods and it's roughly seven miles um, from the entrance to the Discovery Park to uh, this bridge over Sac State, I think Guy West, um, for, for a cycling dedicated bridge. So it's quite a long, long bike ride. My comments kind of and direction come from directly inspired by our general plan update for 2024, which is the focus on transit and active transport options, where we want to place pedestrians, bikeless, and transit operations above the uh, drivers. Um, currently, uh, back of the number calculation, there's about 16 lanes of vehicle traffic um, from the crossing in uh, District 3 uh, to go towards uh, the River District. Um, six for Highway 160 and 10 for I-5. Um, I think this is an excellent location for active transit and transit for Natomas residents. However, I do feel that there is significant uh, auto options currently. Um, for the first option, or option A as you put it, um, mixing uh, personal vehicles with uh, light rail is a high chance that they will collide with each other. During peak hours, my largest concern with this design would be it would go the speed of traffic, which could be bumper to bumper if we induce demand of, uh, I mean, my ballparks, maybe 10,000 residents would be a preferred option to travel. Um, just thinking about what the catchment areas of this bridge is compared to the other one options. Um, obviously, the analysis may give a different number, but that's my back of the napkin thing. Um, you know, just cars colliding with light rail, unfortunately, because our decision for our transit made almost a half a century goal is light rail at grade level with personal vehicles, collisions happen far too often. Um, the one thing I just wanted to do, think about this design compared to others is that there's at least a class one like um, trail option listed in the design for cyclists to provide the high quality protection. Um, option two, I think my largest concern is that I'm not really clear what the protection would be for cyclists. When the Sixth Street Viaduct in Los Angeles opened up about two years ago, um, there were drag racing and sideshows that started taking place. Um, just within a couple days of it opening, um, this car, I think a Charger, because of course it would be a Dodge Charger, um, crashed into the, um, I believe that's a class four bike trail, um, right there, flex post and, and some rubber. And although it didn't hit the people watching the show, um, certainly would have hit a cyclist um, with, with this kind of design. And also with the third option, I, unless it's clear about what the protection would be for cyclists, um, 
you know, it's an uncomfortable cycling environment. Uh, the wane lifts are actually, for the cycling, will actually be really important to hear if it's, um, I defer the people to cycle more, but obviously wider will likely provide uh, more protection. And with options two and three, um, you know, we still have the likelihood of cars colliding with uh, light rail, although much less than option one. Um, back to Commissioner Dor Westbrook's suggestion about community-led suggestions. Uh, I have two. Uh, here's one of the first ones. One is putting the safety of the cyclists um, at a higher level than the options um, two and three, which is to simply shift the light rail into the middle as, and put the vehicles to the side. I know in my back of the napkin design with my fancy use of PowerPoint and copy and paste, um, <laughs> doesn't necessarily show its shoulder, but I think that would be one uh, thing that would, um, a design like this would hopefully reduce conflict points between vehicles and cyclists and provide physical barriers for cyclists. Uh, my option five is something other commissioners, community members would be a transit only uh, design. Um, I've heard from, from uh, some parts of the community that there is a need for an emergency vehicle lane. I don't know how much it would reduce the size in and of itself if emergency vehicles can potentially use um, light rail um, travel to again reduce that size just as you mentioned about um, hopefully not having to take out a building or two. That certainly is a cost. Um, one major advantage for this, which I'll mention a little bit more further, is smaller. Um, if it's a smaller bridge, reduces environmental impacts and would place active transit and transit priorities at the top, which is matching the stated city goals. Um, just for, this is a photo sent from a friend of mine who uh, is an active cyclist. This is um, one of the last heavily wooded areas along the American River Parkway in the city of Sacramento. Um, it is quite beautiful in this area. Um, so we have to take a lot of caution if we're going to be tearing down a lot of trees and taking away what could be one of, the, frankly, one of the most pretty parts of the uh, river. I also think there's a big externality risk, specifically for Trucks and Boulevard. There are a lot of, I, I appreciate hearing the road diet, this is the first time I've heard of it, but um, Truxell Boulevard, again, I'm a daily user. This is um, where I mentioned where my uh, son goes to school. This is the um, intersection of Waterhead and Truxell Boulevard. Um, it's pretty much, I know some people don't like to use it, but it's the classic stroke. A lot of interaction and also high speed. Um, it's an uncomfortable cycling environment and I would never cross um, east-west across Truxell um, on foot. Certainly done by car, but never on foot. Um, I do have serious concern because I estimate that there are 17 formal intersections in some way um, in a 1.3 mile area between San Juan Boulevard and um, Garden Highway. It's not safe for active transportation today. And um, I think probably the largest concern for what members in this community would see is that if there's a shutdown on I-5, Waze, Google Maps, Apple would say, drive down Truxell. And so um, could really clog that stuff up. I, I've seen this happen to other communities when road diets and things, other things have happened. Um, I think there is questionable need for personal vehicles. Um, I've estimated that it takes me about 80 seconds from the intersection of Truxell and Garden Highway to get to the I-5 intersection. 80 is the shortest, up to two and a half minutes. And again, this is during peak hours, roughly sometime between eight or nine. Um, the other day I also traveled towards um, 160. It took me about two minutes without traffic, probably in peak hours, probably be two, uh, probably three to four minutes. Um, the current cost estimate is a half a billion dollars up to super early numbers. I want to recognize that this is by no means final, but um, it is still much, much higher than uh, the two lane option that was listed in 2013 of $70 million. Obviously that's in 2013 monies, 
transit and all that is different, but you know, smaller bridge um, would be likely a smaller cost. Um, per Commissioner Dor Westbrook, um, you know, VMT, I recognize that there was a study done. I think if it was a transit-only option, I would be more confident in the numbers for VMT, um, but I think um, seeing those numbers would be, but I have um, skepti skepticalness about um, having, because if light rail is as fast as cars, you would take your car. Um, I think we, in our general plan update, we've requested that we move from 3% to 11%, a very ambitious goal, I hope we meet it. Uh, but I know this bridge won't be built if it's ever built till after 2030. Um, but you know, we really wanna prioritize light rail. And I think there are currently 16 lanes, as I mentioned, and this would add two more uh, over there. Um, I have five recommendations, um, hopefully that we can help the analysis moving forward. Um, uh, first one is um, include options for analysis that do not allow the regular travel of personal vehicles. I'm not saying the option I listed number five is the one that should be considered or if yours, uh, but something like that to start a conversation. I defer to the engineering staff what would be the best option for not personal vehicles. Um, again, I think this is probably the biggest one. Uh, I saw 11 public comments. I don't think anyone was in supportive of personal vehicles on this travel. Um, <clears throat> reduce cost, reduce environmental impact and be a transit first priority. Um, second one I heard from a community member in District 3 is only big construction if the transit section of the portion is secured. So if it is the final decision by council, I recognize the council is one that chooses the final decision to also have personal vehicles. Uh, transit being, um, confirming that portion of the project is funded before the construction takes place. Mm -hmm. I see you taking notes. Thank you very much. Oh, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Um, this was part of comments I made as part of the general plan update. Um, just reiterating it here for the record. Uh, design the active transit portion of the trucks beds not subject to regular flooding. I always thought it you know, wouldn't be, but it's always good just to get on uh, paper. Mm -hmm. Um, this is another thing part of kind of going back um, uh, to Commissioner Aramis' uh, comment about how does this play into the bigger picture. Currently the active transportation portion, at, I can definitely say north of the river and also I'm pretty sure right after um, in the south part of the river um, is lacking. Um, this is the intersection. There is a cyclist, uh, either a very brave or a person that only has one option. Um, cycling where cars regularly go about 50 miles per hour, that's um, Garden Highway right there. Um, it takes about a half a mile to go to um, Banning Creek Path Parkway. Um, it's not the fastest route, but it is a, a dedicated biking route west of there, and it's about 1.1 uh, miles to the Ninos Parkway. So if we're gonna encourage more people to do cycling, at the very least considerations about how we can do in the catchment area, uh, so that really improve that connectivity, because um, gaps uh, mean less people take up, especially when projects are at this scale. And the last um, recommendation that I'd like to propose is all bridge proposals include physical barriers um, for cycling lanes uh, at or equivalent to a class one uh, bike trail. Um, again, encouraging people to cycle, let's make sure they have the safest option. Um, so uh, first of all, uh, thank you everybody for your consideration. Um, if there's any response right now, uh, Sparky or anybody else, I'd be happy to hear it and also love to hear my commissioner's feedback for further comment. Excellent, thank you. <clears throat> I've been here, how long have I been here, 23 years? I don't think I've ever gotten <laughs> a presentation like that, I really appreciate it. <laughs> uh, thank you. 
ready to move on? Okay. Thank you, Commissioner Gibson. Very thorough presentation. Uh, you put a lot of work into that. Uh, our next speaker, uh, Commissioner Harris. Thank you so much, Sparky. Um, it's my first thing I would say is a statement. I, I struggle with this because bridges are complicated pieces of the community. Um, they can be destinations in the best case where people actively choose to be there. And I think that's the vision we're all thinking of the best case, but they can also be um, barriers to local traffic and they can turn existing communities into thoroughfares where the community around that area is actually um, harmed at the benefit of car traffic usually. Um, so my first question would be what conversations have had about the speed of traffic on this, this proposed bridge? I know it's very early, but when we're talking about vehicle miles, it is, assumes a speed. So we are at the point where we're talking about it. So I'd like to understand what that is. Um, I'm making up one by the money you can answer. I have a few different things or I can, if you want to jump in. However you like. Make it back and forth. Okay. Sounds we'll good. change the speed up. Oh no, speed's an easy one. Um, council gave us direction back when we did the Sacramento River Alternatives Crossing, which I was also on because I've been here forever, um, to provide a neighborhood friendly crossing. And what that's been interpreted so far is to be usually two lanes to make sure that you have general sidewalks and bike facilities. Um, they didn't set a, at specific speed, but um, going into this, the design speed that we were trying to hit is 30 miles an hour. I really appreciate hearing that. Um, I request, I guess, or ask for any details as this goes forward on the physical limitations to be aiming for a 25 mile an hour speed because people go over what is safe. And we all know the um, science is that pedestrians have a much higher chance of surviving at 25 miles an hour in an exponential rate. I live next to a 35 mile an hour um, four lane road crossing um, the rail, Marconi. Uh, has very tiny little 35 mile an hour signs and it is designed to be a 60 mile an hour speed limit. So I'd like, um, as this moves forward, for us to be very cognizant of that it's not just a posted speed, that it is a design to a neighborhood scale um, because that is not always what has happened in the city. I think that's some of the feelings you get when we talk about car. And I would like to be clear that the, you know, their cars can be very different interpreted um, as risks depending on how fast they're moving next to a person who does not have a steel cage around them. Um, I wanna second the, or I guess third now, the um, ask that the option that is presented as it goes forward is that the CEQA analysis does include a, um, an active transportation only option. I think it will make a much more robust analysis for the decision makers, which is the purpose of a CEQA document. And it's gonna be very hard for the community to compare analysis if that decision has already been made and even to be able to lobby. And I also believe that from what I've seen, the mitigation becomes lessened when we don't have an option to really compare against. It becomes a foregone conclusion, right? And for me personally, this isn't about necessarily limiting vehicles, but making sure that the same benefits we would have of a low speed, safe bridge for, um, 
for people bicycling and walking have the same experience um, and they're not going over really a car bridge where it's just been tacked on. That if this is the approach that that is, that we are getting all the benefits. If cars are on that bridge, we are still getting all the benefits of a vehicle only bridge. And I don't think that's gonna happen if it's not included in your CEQA document. Um, and then I, I guess my last piece is just really echoing that same idea. I really appreciated the option. Um, I have concerns and I'd like, as we move forward to, to talk about or a commitment, I guess, that if it takes some time for this, we've seen in like Folsom, uh, there was supposed to be light rail that went over the bridge, it did not happen. And so it became a less comfortable place to walk because it is much larger and they turned it into a lane of traffic. So I think that this commission and everyone in the community would like some sort of confirmation system moves forward that if there's going to be dedicated lanes, that those lanes are never turned into vehicle traffic because we also know that cars often win these debates and that once the need is there, then that outweighs the need for cars, uh, pedestrian safety and the need for um, transit. So I think that that is a key recommendation and something that would make whatever you move forward with. I like the extra options to separate, um, but I'm not an engineer. I think that's a complicated thing, but that um, it's clear that those lanes are never going to be used for cars if they are given separate lanes. Thank you. Thank you. Vice Chair Gonzalez. Good evening, Sparky. Thank you for the great presentation and all the information. And I know you're doing a lot of work on this project for a long time and doing some good outreach. And thank you for the community outreach event that you held recently uh, in Natomas. Um, I just wanna echo many of the statements that have been made already tonight. I think it's, you're getting a pretty wide variety of perspectives, but all kind of coalescing into a, a very similar conclusion. And I also wanna thank the 11 people who gave e-comment, all of which um, definitely deserve to be uh, read in detail. There, there's some very legitimate concerns and some um, very creative ideas, I think, to move forward. Uh, I'm very concerned about induced demand uh, with this bridge uh, if we add vehicular lane travel uh, to it. I, I'm just very concerned that um, what, what's, what, what is currently not there will induce uh, additional um, vehicle trips in a, in a congested area uh, and, and result in, in, obviously it's gonna result in more injuries and fatalities if there's just none there right now. So I'm very concerned about that. Um, I really have begun to adopt lately this philosophy of roads are either a place to be or a place to get through, a place that adds value to a community or a place that there's only value is to move from one place to the other. And um, I think we have an opportunity here to make this bridge um, a really awesome place to be, to, to, to linger, to, to enjoy um, some of the natural beauties. And I believe that if we do have um, vehicular traffic on it, that opportunity will be lost. Um, I just wanna note that uh, 2013 seems like a long time ago now, and I think the world has changed a lot. And in 2025, when you present this before council, we'll definitely have a new mayor, we'll definitely have at least one new council member, if not multiple. And a matter of fact, we, I don't think we'll have a single council member who voted for this in 2013. So I, I imagine their perspectives may be different than the council that approved this in 2013. And I wonder, and you may not know the answer to this, and if you don't, you don't have to answer, or you can try, because you're very, you're very smart, you've been here for a long time, um, is what is the ability of council to change the decision um, of the council that was made in 2013 and take this in a whole new direction? 
It's actually a really good question. Um, so far, <clears throat> we've gotten council authorization to pursue funding for the preferred alternatives. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to approve what we put together. So um, until that final action is taken, it seems like there's an ability for things to change, but that's just my layman's understanding of the way things work. Appreciate it. Thank you, Sparky. Thank you to all the commissioners. I um, support the uh, comments from the public that were online. All 11 were um, no private vehicles. Um, I'm very curious to know how uh, the VMT will be reduced uh, with each of the options that were presented. I'm a big proponent of, uh, as C Commissioner Gibson pointed out, option five and Commissioner Banks, um, that there should be no uh, uh, private vehicles on the bridge. Um, I'm one of those people from uh, north of the river that can't get to downtown uh, when it's flooded. And uh, so I think the bridge is a great idea, but, um, but you know, if, if the bridge is only completed by, let's say, oops, uh, 2039, and we have sustainability goals that are supposed to be achieved uh, then and in, by 2040 and even before, I don't see how adding any kind of uh, personal vehicles to uh, transit is going to um, help us reach our uh, sustainability goals. Thank you very much for presenting this evening and to all the comments. Uh, this is not an action item, so we will move on. Okay, making sure I'm doing it right here. Uh, item number four is the Dixie and Neighborhood Clean and Green Alleys. And one of our commissioners must leave. <laughs> and there is a staff presentation also by uh, Mr. Harris. Thank you, hopefully I don't have to re reintroduce myself. At, um Thank you, Isaac. Um, it's working on my project, so I guess he can't hear this, even though it's just an informational item. But okay. That said, um, <clears throat> again, thank you for having me. Uh, this won't be as long, um, but please provide as many comments as, as you'd like. I really appreciate the, the feedback. Um, the Dixie Ann Neighborhood Clean and Green Alleys project is focused in a residential community within Old North Sacramento between Del Paso Boulevard and Arden Way, as you can see on the site map here. In 2022, the city of Sacramento secured a $5 million Clean California grant from Caltrans to remove litter, well, this is their stated goals, remove litter, create jobs, and beautify our public right of way. So uh, through our grant agreement, we committed to removing a significant amount of illegal dumped, illegally dumped litter, installing interlocking permeable pavers in unimproved dirt alleys, installing art in public places, and repairing dilapidated fences along our improved alleys. Um, we, felt, we felt that that would be um, a strong application and Caltrans agreed with us. So we were awarded and we moved forward. 
So uh, our first step was to narrow the field for alley improvements within the community, uh, with community input since our budget, believe it or not, $5 million, um, still couldn't improve every alley in the neighborhood. There's roughly 13 alleys in that area. Um, so we started in December, 20, December of 2022. We held an open house to collect feedback, uh, which is there. And in January of 2023, we conducted a unique engagement effort in which we took our ideas directly to the alleys um, and questions and ask questions and talk to the neighborhoods in their very own backyards. This was something we just came up with off the top of our heads. It seemed like a good idea. It took a lot of time and effort, but we literally printed out maps for all of the alleys, um, showed up at one. We, we gave all the residents prior notice, um, showed up at an alley, said, we'll be here for a half an hour. You don't have to come to City Hall. Come to your backyard. Tell us how you feel. After that half hour, we moved to the next alley, did the same thing, and we marched down the entire neighborhood collecting information that way. It was, I had a blast. Um, so at the same time, our consultants were conducting soil analysis and surveying to develop recommendations for the final plans. So these are some of the borings that were cut out there as well as, well as the um, water infiltration tests they were doing um, in the alleys. So the field of alleys was narrowed to five based on all of the information collected and the budget available and a consultant was contracted to develop final design plans for the paver installations. And the map you see here also includes uh, the location of the public art installations that we intend to put in place. So stepping through the major elements of the project quickly, uh, illegal dumping was known to be an issue in the neighborhood. It's one of the reasons why we applied for the grant in the first place. This is very indicative of what happens in this neighborhood all the time. Um, to date, we have conducted two community cleanups um, and with a third uh, scheduled for this March. The existing unimproved dirt alleys in the neighborhood don't drain well and aren't attractive. The installation of interlocking permeable pavers will help drainage, will help recharge groundwater for neighboring plants and trees, and help an aging storm drainage system that was built back when Old North Sacramento, believe it or not, was um, it, it was a separate city. We annexed it uh, back in the early 60s, I believe. Uh, and this is how you put them in. Um, where is, where is Once the papers are in place, um, art commissioned by a local nonprofit called Graffiti for Good uh, will be installed as decorative pavers. So the example you see in the middle is from the contractor that we have that's actually producing the paver art right now. And the 10 um, figures that you see around the little dog are the art that has been commissioned primarily by local artists. Uh, in North Sacramento. Access along all five of the alleys is restricted by gates installed by the city nearly 20 years ago to address crime concerns. We have worked with the neighbors, Sacramento PD and fire department to replace the gates with removable bollards 
to maintain limited automobile access while allowing bicyclists and pedestrians free access. Um, other jurisdictions have gotten creative with their bollards and we intend to do the same. Uh, this is the great news is uh, our blank canvases just arrived last week. Uh, I took receipt of these and took them over to Graffiti for Good and he's passing them out to the artists as we speak. And here are examples of the art that has been commissioned for those bollards. And finally, our newly improved alleys would not look very good nor be very inviting uh, for pedestrians and bicyclists um, if you're going along alleys with uh, dilapidated fences. So uh, we have contracted with a local nonprofit called Sierra Service Project that's also directly on the boulevard in this neighborhood, um, as well as the Sacramento Regional Conservation Corps um, to repair at least 2,000 linear feet of fences along the targeted alleys. And these shots were just taken last week. They're doing a great job. And this was right after the storms a week before. So um, these were actually put up before the storm. So I was, I was very impressed at how well they, uh, they, they weathered the storm. So um, bids are out right now for the paper installation. We expect to have a contractor on board and um, started construction in April. The requirements of the Clean California grant is that we complete work by the end of June, which is gonna be a heavy lift, but um, we're gonna try our best. And uh, with that, I'd be happy to answer any questions. Uh, clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak? Thank you, Chair. I have one speaker slip on this item. Our first speaker is Troy. Hello again, Troy, District 4. Um, I'll start by saying that I'm really excited that the uh, city is taking steps to activate uh, alleys. I think that this project is a prerequisite to enabling pedest pedestrian access to these spaces. Um, uh, especially in the winter, uh, which otherwise they're gated and unpaved. So full support. Uh, that said, I have two proposals for supporting uh, for supporting these areas as like potential follow-up projects. First, I want to caution that opening up and beautifying alleys to pedestrian activity doesn't on its own activate the alley if that if there are no alley facing destinations for people to go. Uh, before today and until the adoption of the Chinese new 2040 general plan, the uses of these alleys have historically been restricted to parking cars. Uh, but going forward, we might have the zoning building blocks to kickstart a real citywide alley transformation. For these alleys in particular, I encourage the city to somehow work with local property owners to facilitate and promote the development of more, of more like mixed-use alley frontage over the next decade. So that's one. Two, my, uh, my second consideration is about alley-to-alley -alley crossings along Dixieland and Calvados. Uh, I, think these, I think we should encourage alley-to-alley -alley ped and bike connectivity, giving pedestrians the right of way and making that clear through mid-block traffic calming and crosswalk striping. I know it's money. Intersection density is highly correlated with walkability. This area of North, old North Sacramento currently has an intersection density that's 
30% lower than that of the central city and up to 10 times lower than that of walkable destinations in other countries, uh, places that draw people to visit during vacation. Um, nevertheless, I look forward to the day that Sacramento has an active mixed-use, low-stress network of alleys. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Chair, I have no more speaker slips on this item. Thank you. Uh, there are commissioners who would like to speak on this topic. We will start with Commissioner Harris. Hi, Sparky. I just want to say on behalf of District 2 that this is just really exciting to see. Um, I don't even have anything. I'm so happy I can't even think <laughs> about anything else to say. So I'm going to, I'm sure other people might have more rational brain, but I just want to, um, you know, we give you guys a hard time sometimes and we don't say thank you enough um, for all the hard work that you do. And so on behalf of District Truth, thank you. This is absolutely needed and um, hopefully we'll have some of that transformational change that's necessary. That Those photos is what it looks like in North Sacramento. So I know I talk about the incomplete streets. So yeah, that's what we deal with up there. So thank you so much. Uh, Commissioner Rasmus. Oh, I'm sorry. Commissioner Moore. Thank you. Uh, yeah, very sharing the excitement for this project. Um, two things, or well, three, I guess. One, also just very much appreciate the commissioning of local artists. I think that's a really positive attribute to this project. Um, are there plans beyond replacing the <coughs> gates with um, more pedestrian-friendly bollards to kind of maintain the beautification efforts? Or not? The, uh, that's a hard question to ask, um, to answer. It's a hard thing to achieve. I yeah, the, the funding from Caltrans has to be spent during the period, so there will be no state funding for ongoing operations and maintenance of the alleys. Um, we do have commitments from our uh, recycling and solid waste to come in and sweep the alleys, which is the recommended maintenance for interlocking pavers. Um, really, they only have to come through once a year. Um, and it's to kind of loosen up the aggregate to make sure that everything keeps percolating. Um, the Del Paso Boulevard Partnership has been very involved in this. Um, and they haven't made any commitments, but uh, I also know that once we clean it up, I think they're going to help us to keep it clean. Um, and we are also installing somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 uh, no-dumping signs that will have um, clear information for people of how to report illegal dumping. Um, our guess is that the illegal dumping is happening out there because nobody's reporting it. It happens all the time, they clean it up, and people just know this is a dead zone where if you dump, you won't get reported. Um, I actually went after a second round of Clean, clean California um, grant funding in order to put in um, license plate reading cameras because I wanted to catch those illegal dumpers and make it easier for our code enforcement and police department to catch those folks. We didn't get the grant, and then we heard with the state's budget that uh, the Clean California grant is not coming back, so. Gotcha. But we'll keep fighting. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate you looking into those alternatives, and I, yeah, I, it's not an easy task to maintain that. Um, the other question is, and I think we talked a little bit about this last time in the commission meeting in January, um, I live in North Oak Park and there are a number of alleys there. Some of them are gated off, some of them are accessible. I also want to note that I appreciate the fencing, the fence repairs, it, it plays a really big part and the fences are not repaired there and it uh, does not contribute to it being a welcoming environment. Um, but I will say 
if the alleys are going to be considered a part of the kind of transportation network within that community, it would be helpful for there to be some element of wayfinding. I think once you enter an alley, it can be very disorienting. Um, I know the city is pursuing a citywide wayfinding grant. Um, I don't know if this will be incorporated within that, but if not, if you can fold this into the beautification or artwork or in some way, that would be helpful. And if it's just a local amenity, I mean, perhaps still helpful, but also residents know where they're going and what alleys get them there. So I think there's a little bit less emphasis on that, but those are my comments and appreciate the efforts. Thank you. And once again, I know there was no question there, but um, <clears throat> I just like to share. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> There was an effort in the central city to actually name the alleys, as you probably know. Um, that doesn't have to be a one-off. Um, there could be a better way to uh, actually identify the alleys in some of the outlying um, suburbs as well. Uh, one of the things that I really tried to push forward with this first grant was lighting. I thought that that would really help. Um, currently, the city does not have an alley standard that includes lighting. Um, that's something that I'm going to keep pushing for. I actually have Sac State helping me um, to develop something that we can put in front of our engineers. And to me, once you get those two elements, um, you partner that with some signage as well. And now our alleys become, you know, a vital part of our transportation network for active transportation. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. And just to follow up on that, I think it. Central City, I think it is easy to figure out what you're going to land on if you have the alley named, right? That you can identify it and you also know you're just going down or up a number or letter. I think in some of the other communities where the names don't follow such a structure, or it can be helpful to know where, where you're gonna end up in that note. If, again, just you're pursuing wayfinding, that would be my note, but thank you. Commissioner Erasmus. Thank you, Chair. Um, very excited to see these kinds of projects that really integrate community and on-the-ground engagement. Wonderful. Um, and I, I would love to see more of that and maybe even returning in a couple years in the same style. And, and that's kind of where my question lies is, what's the city's commitment and availability to maintain these spaces? Like, I come from a, another community. Uh, in the Bay Area, that illegal dumping is a, ma is a major issue. We had a couple of really great alley projects that went on about 10 years ago. You know, we got everything, it was beautiful. And now they're sort of like, again, once again, derelict sites with faded paint and dumping. So I see kind of the arc of this, and I'm, I'm just hoping that as we continue it, like now, lessons learned, how do, how do we continue to maintain these spaces? What funding does the city have committed um, to do that and how will it continue to engage the community in making sure that um, the goals addressed or in the, within this presentation and your broader uh, analysis are met and maintained. Thanks. Uh, the funding question is easy. We have no funding um, moving forward to do this. But with that said, um, part of the thinking is with the art and public places kind of element of it is you create more eyes out there all the time. It makes it less desirable for the illegal dumping to come in and you partner that with the signs that make it really easy for people to identify and report illegal dumping. We've actually heard anecdotally that a lot of the illegal dumping is actually happening by the neighbors in the community themselves and they don't want to report their neighbors in fear of retaliation. Well, when you have more outside folks that may be there because they want to check out the artwork and they happen to see a truck dumping, they're not as concerned about calling that car in. 
Um, our recycling and solid waste and code enforcement uh, teams do an excellent job getting out there, but it's something that just happens on such a continuous basis that they just can't keep up with it or else, I mean, that's the only thing that they would focus on. So really getting more people out there. No, but not everyone wants their, the alley behind their house to be Instagrammable, but at the same time, by bringing in people and a little bit of that outside element, maybe that will make somebody think twice about just dropping a load of trash on the street. Commissioner Banks. Yeah, <clears throat> thanks, Sparky. I, I love this. I'm, I think it's great. I'm with Melissa, even though I don't live in um, that district. But Saba has been up there for the last couple of years doing closed and open streets and, you know, Sacklavias, et cetera. So the Del Paso Partnership are awesome. Sierra Project, awesome. Neverboard, awesome. Those pictures are great. Really excited. And, and here's what I would love, because we talked about alleys last month. Um, slow and active alleys. I'm all in on that idea. And um, I think that one thing that could come out of this is a toolkit or a how-to, because I said this, I think, a month ago, whenever we talked about alleys last, is that why not create something, and this is not necessarily for you to do, but the city could, you know, adopt an alley and have people that do live um, along the alley figure out ways to activate their alley and clean it up and, you know, sort of a neighborhood watch, et cetera, and then do some fun things, and maybe there's a grant program or something that helps community members get you know empowered to take care of their the alley that they're in and around etc and we could see much more of that which would be really cool and then we have um you know an alley low connected stress alley ways that work into the you know bike map etc and all of a sudden we've got a whole nother round of ways for people to get around that they feel comfortable safe car free by and large with those beautiful bollards. And um, yeah, I can see it. <laughs> Actually, I can too, because yeah. that was that was also part of the second grant application that I put together was uh, more funding for uh, neighborhood watch groups, signage for them as well. Um, again, that didn't come through, but that doesn't mean I'm gonna stop fighting. There are uh, other money pots out there. there are other, well, we will find other money. And if I can just put a point on the expansion of this project, um, we did find out last year that we applied for um, affordable housing and, and sustainable community funding for an affordable housing project that's going in on the south side of Arden uh, near the Armory. And associated with that, um, another couple million dollars came in for us to do more alley improvements. So um, yeah, stay tuned. Alley up. <laughs> like that. <laughs> Commissioner Harris. Oh, I'm just so excited about this alley thing for District <laughs> and I had to get another bite at this. So I'm going to give you, I, I, I think we should name the alleys. Um, it's a low cost option, and I'm going to tell you why I think it's a great idea, besides that it's a great idea. Um, so ownership is a big deal in, in North Sacramento, and putting a name on it means you guys care, and the feeling is currently that. No one cares about these areas, and that's why the dumping happens. But as the self-proclaimed neighbor who calls on all of the trash on my street and the legal dumping, um, it is so much easier if there is a named location to report. 
And I, I can't, like, I know that's like, oh, yeah, it's obvious. So, like, I can't tell you how hard it is on the portion of my street that doesn't have an address to get the city to respond on 311. So giving ownership and having a way to report is so much easier than, I don't know, it's the unnamed alley behind my house, and you guys weren't going to show up forever anyway, so you know what? I don't care anymore, which is a lot of District 2's problems. So not that you guys don't, but it's a lot harder when there isn't an address. So if we could give these spaces some ownership, I just think that would be amazing. I, I hear you loud and clear. In the project, um, <clears throat> we got so tired of referring to Empress slash Boxwood or you know Cambridge slash <laughs> whatever it was that we just started calling them alleys one, two, three, four, and five. Um, so I, I, I hear your point loud and clear. And look what it's done for the, you know, the grid. It's made it, you know, exciting. Well, and if we get more ADUs, another place on to these, get exactly, then they can actually have an address that makes sense instead of. You're just so long, cute. Right? Sorry, we're all on the same thing. You and I, we'll go. Uh, <laughs> we're good. We'll, we'll go talk about it. Just good. talk about great alleys are. Thank you, Commissioner Dor Westbrook. Thank you, and thank you so much, Sparky, for your presentation. It's great to hear from you twice in one night. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to second um, Commissioner Erasmus' comment around the maintenance of, of the alleyways um, once the city has put in the investment. Um, I think that's really, really important for us to be thinking about for all of our active transportation projects that we're building. Um, and I know you mentioned you know, there's not money now. Um, I will say there could be. Um, and our annual report, we do ask that the city increase the amount of money um, that is available for active transportation projects. So just want to look at all fellow commissioners. It's really important we show up in March when this goes to the full city council. Because um, I feel like if, if you don't hear from us, um, you know, we'll continue to only have these great projects funded through grants, which is quite a challenge. Um, so that, I wanted to say that. Um, I believe the city of Long Beach has a great alleyway program that they've developed. I was trying to quickly find something on my phone and I couldn't, but I'll track that down um, and get back to you. Um, and then lastly, um, my team recently created a uh, Excel sheet of sorts that outlines a bunch of different um, grant programs available for, for folks to do active transportation projects. So I'll pass that along. Uh, to you as well. Appreciate Thanks. that. Commissioner Moore. Back again. Uh, who would have thought this would have generated as much traffic as the Truffle Bridge? Uh, <laughs> I love it. The, the names idea and the ownership got me thinking it would be really cool if uh, part of this was either naming the alleys after a resident who backs up to it um, on that street as a sense of ownership. Option B would be having the residents in that community name the alleys themselves through community engagement in the city. Option three would be uh, city develops approved names and then the residents can vote for them to have names. I think that would contribute to the sense of ownership and pride um, of those alleys. So I would just offer that as, a, as an opportunity and an option. Great alternatives. What a, part of the history of that whole area as it used to be Rancho Del Paso. <clears throat> it was actually a, a horse ranch where a lot of uh, Kentucky Derby horses came from. So one of the art pieces that I showed you was one of the horses. Um, there's been a lot of talk about, hey, well, why not use some of those horses' names? Not everybody likes or, or supports horse racing. So, you know, it's something that we would have to consider. But, yeah, I appreciate the feedback. Thank you. 
Um, I love the idea. I agree with Commissioner Moore involving the community in, in naming the alleys. I love the idea of naming the alleys for uh, being able to find them and, and visit and uh, services. Several, a couple of commissioners talked about the maintenance cost and wanting to know more about that. So the fences have been installed. So who who is in charge of them from now on? Is it the city? Is it the homeowner? Those are private fences that uh, we, we basically went through a process of identifying the dilapidated ones, reached out to the neighbors, and basically said, hey, can we replace your fence? But now they belong to Once them. Once it's replaced, yeah, it's still okay. the fence. Okay. Mm -hmm. And my other uh, question is about the non, the permeable pavers. Um, are, have you ensured that the surface is going to be relatively smooth for bicycling and walking? I mean, no bumpity bump? Yep, they're all... Um, Basically, concrete bricks. Okay. I mean, it'll, it'll, I hate to say cobblestones because that makes it seem like it's right. kind of rumbly, but no, it's it's relatively flat. They fill it in with, I used to call it sand in between, but it's not. It's small aggregate in between them. So yeah, it's a, it's a relatively flat surface. It's easy to bike, walk, run on cars. I mean, you know, no roller skating. That might be a good one to include. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I'd. I don't think I'd skateboard on it. <laughs> Just more concerned about the pebbles getting on my wheels. <laughs> okay, um, this was not an action item, so thank you very much for your presentation and all the comments from the commissioners. Appreciate all the feedback. And we will move on to item number five: SACOG carbon reduction grant applications. And there is a staff presentation and Good evening, Commissioners. I'm going to allow Vice Chair Gonzalez to be seated, come back before I jump into my presentation. Good evening, Commissioners. My name is Jennifer Domlin Wyatt, and I serve as the City of Sacramento's Transportation Planning Manager. It's very good to be before you today. Um, I am a representative of the team that is going after this grant program. Um, and so, uh, Jeff, who has also joined us today, and, and Jesse from our engineering team uh, are actually leading the grant applications, but I am doing the administrative process. Um, so, the SACA Carbon Reduction Grant Program is a new program. It is funded through what we fictionally call the Biden Infrastructure Package, um, otherwise known as IJA, uh, which provides funding for states and metropolitan planning organizations, which is in our case, SACOG, uh, for projects designed to reduce transportation-related carbon emissions from on-road sources. Um, that's just super complex for carbon reduction. The SACOG has taken this program and has created a two-year grant program of about $7.45 million for the six-county region. So just so you're aware, $7.4 million over six counties over two years is not a lot of money. It just uh, sounds like a lot, but it's not a lot in transportation speak. 
The minimum request is $250,000 with a maximum request of $1.5 million. The grants are due at the end of February. And this is an action item, so we will be asking for your vote later today, tonight. Um, so the grant program has three objectives. The first one is um, to support the regional trail network. Uh, in 2022, SACOG adopted a network of shared use paths across the SACOG region. Um, not all shared use paths in the city or existing and planned made it into that. That network is only for those that have regional significance. So this grant program is to support pre-construction efforts related to that. So planning, visioning, maybe a little bit of a pre preliminary design. The next one is the zero emission vehicle plans uh, to develop plans for cities to adapt to the changing environment of zero emission vehicles. You know, note here that we are not pursuing this grant program because we already have our electric vehicle blueprint strategy and are working on implementing it. So the planning work has already been done. And then last but not least, the third part of this grant program is programs uh, to support non-infrastructure programs to make um, walking, biking, and transit use um, more, uh, more of a real choice for folks, whether it be through education or encouragement pieces. So we're applying, we're, we're recommending that we apply for two grants. Um, and to do that, we reviewed, because this is what, you know, our processes are, our adopted policies and guiding documents, we reviewed the 2035 general plan, the, 20, the draft 2040 general plan, the transportation priorities plan priority projects, our vision zero top 10 corridors, and of those, um, we determined that the two recommendations best meet um, these uh, goals. So the first one is the Ninos Parkway Gap Closure Project, which is between, if you, if you know, and we're talking a lot about north of the river this evening, which is exciting. Um, if you know this, the Ninos Parkway is a shared use path for walking and bicycling that travels north-south um, that pa uh, parallels uh, Northview Drive. It is a fantastic facility that the southern terminus is at mutual housing and the community garden that is there. Um, it does not connect to the American River Parkway, and this has been on our list of things to figure out a way to address. Um, of all the shared use paths in the uh, Transportation Priorities Plan, there are two that are high priority. This gap closure is one of them. The other one is the Morrison Creek shared use path in South Sacramento. We're already working on the Morrison Creek shared use path, so this is the next logical one, and, and because that is already passed the um, preliminary phase or is in the preliminary phase, didn't make sense to pursue that. Uh, but this one is. And so this one is a priority project in the Transportation Priorities Plan. It's also part of the State COG Regional Transplant. So of those, this one best met our goals. We're really excited. We've put this um, project in the hat for a number of grant programs, have been unable to fund it, but we're really hoping that through this process we're able to move this one forward. It can help a lot of folks, particularly uh, the folks in the South and Thomas area for mutual housing, which has the highest, one of the highest densities of young people um, in the city of Sacramento, connecting them to not only to places north, but places south and to open space in the American River Parkway, which connects to so many destinations, whether it be Sac State or, or other destinations. So this is our first recommendation, as you can see here on the map, of the green lines are the shared use path network and that one gap there. The next project is something that you saw recently. So when we applied for the Caltrans Transportation Planning Grants this January, uh, we came before you in the fall to ask for your support on that. One of the program, one of the grant applications we did was a wayfinding project. Uh, because as we discussed earlier on Sparky's project, wayfinding is an important tool 
to not only educate folks about opportunities for walking and biking, but to encourage folks for, for walking and biking. Um, and our goal with the Bicycling and Walking Wayfinding Project is to provide that piece um, to encourage folks to walk, bike, or to how to get to transit. A lot of folks don't realize that maybe getting to light rail or to your bus stop is not as long or as hard as they think it is. Um, so we're also asking for your support to resubmit. We have probably for Caltrans, we'd like to submit the same uh, approach to the, the, the SACOG grant program. So we're asking for a staff, uh, staff's recommendation is to, for you to pass a motion to forward a recommendation onto City Council to approve um, the two projects listed here for the SACOG uh, Carbon Reduction Grant Program. And with that, I'm happy to take any questions. Thank you so much. The first speakers, right. Um, thank you. Uh, clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips on this item. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who would like to speak on this subject? Yes, there are. Commissioner Gibson. Uh, I just want to first uh, thank you and the rest of staff for including the Ninos Parkway uh, connection, um, especially for having so many children at Mutual Housing. I've done a little bit of volunteer work there before. There really is a lot of kids, like really a lot of kids. If you're in, if you're in some older communities where it's all retirees, you, it could be a little little uh, di uh, distant. Um, so one thing that's really good about having good cycling infrastructure, it allows freedom for small children. Well, not small, I wouldn't call it teenagers small, but um, it's the opportunity to explore a little more and having a direct safe connection to uh, uh, the American River Parkway is so critical so they have far more access to our community. So just thank you for pursuing this. Commissioner Dor Westbrook. Thank you, and thank you for your presentation, Jennifer. Um, I'm really excited ab about both projects, so I'm happy to see you moving them forward. Um, I was curious if you could share a little bit more if you received any feedback on your wayfinding application from Caltrans that could be used to improve your application that you're gonna submit to SACOG. Commissioner Dua Westbrook, we have not. So we submitted the application at the end of January, and so we expect that we will hear, uh, hopefully, I think we hear this summer, on those grant applications. Oh, sorry, I thought you said you didn't get it. No, we did. So we submitted to Caltrans, and we are also submitting oh, to Oh, I see what you're doing here. Okay. 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 <laughs> All right. Okay. Now I want to get this project funded. <laughs> yeah. No. Get it. Never mind then. Um, okay. The other question. I know um, most grant programs usually give you the opportunity to meet with staff prior to applying. Does staff plan on meeting with SACOG to discuss your grant application prior to submittal? SACOG actually encouraged us for this very... Our, our set of projects, and we always co collaborate with SACOG on our applications. Fantastic. Um, okay, well, maybe I'll propose a letter of support on the log. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Commissioner Rasmus. Thank you, Chair. Yeah, thanks. This is very informative. Um, I have two, one comment and one question. Um, I'm curious what projects are not here, or if there were any kind of competing projects that you would have loved to put here that may, maybe didn't make the list. Um, and maybe that's for a deeper conversation at another time, which I understand too, but I always wonder, like why these and not some others? Um, and then I'm also thinking a lot about our artists and residents in the room and thinking about <laughs> a project um, kind of within the wayfinding context um, and including on those signs that have so much room for a lot of information, maybe some like community stories or local history about where, the, where they are could be. Um, I saw something nice in DC um, 
it seemed a little like gorilla, and I really liked it. Um, yeah, so. Great. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Erasmus. So the products that we considered that were rejected, um, so we went through a process. So there, you know, there are three categories of grants. So the regional trail network, um, of those that are both a high priority in the transportation priorities plan, because we're obligated to pursue the priority projects first, that is the Morrison Creek Trail and the Nunez Parkway gap closure. We're already working on Morrison Creek, so that was considered and rejected. We did not consider any others because they're not priority right now in the transportation priorities plan. Uh, we already have our, our, our ZEV plan, and so then when it comes to programs, um, we, we don't have a lot of programs, uh, education and encouragement programs at the city of Sacramento. Uh, we are lean and mean, or lean and nice, I guess. Um, we, we have a small team, and we don't do a lot of program, programmatic work. We have a small budget for light giveaways um, and our, our bikeway user map, but that is about it. Uh, anything else would require additional staffing and resources that we don't have. So the wayfinding effort seemed really uh, appropriate uh, for this program, and SACOG also knows that we're interested in pursuing that. Uh, we don't know what the outcome of the wayfinding plan will be, so we'll, should we receive the funding from either source, uh, we will um, work with our city traffic engineer, because wayfinding is regulated by the California Manual of Uniform Traffic Control Devices, and so bicycle wayfinding is prescribed. Um, walking, wayfinding for walking is less so, it's community wayfinding, and I'm forgetting the number in the MUTCD, but it's something D.50. Um, and so we, we can get a little bit more creative when we're talking about community wayfinding and what that means. So assuming that we win that grant, Jeff will be before you um, as we go through that process to figure out what that looks like. Um, similar to Sparky's effort, we obviously want to use uh, local artists and local designs to help us move forward uh, and make sure that it reflects what the communities would like to see. Thank you very much. Uh, is there a motion and a second for this item? So moved. We have a motion from Commissioner Gibson and a second from Commissioner Dorr Westbrook. Will the clerk please call the roll for the vote? Thank you, Chair. Commissioners, please unmute for roll call vote. Commissioner Banks? Aye. <laughs> Commissioner Doer Westbrook? Aye. Commissioner Asmus? Aye. Commissioner Gibson? Aye. Vice Chair Gonzalez? Aye. Commissioner Harris? Aye. Commissioner Hopped? Aye. Commissioner Moore? Enthusiastic aye. Commissioner Rowe? Aye. And Chair Hodel? Aye. Thank you. The motion passes. The next item is member comments and ideas. Um, questions and meeting conference report. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak? I don't see, oh yes, 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 yes. Commissioner Gibson. Uh, sure, before I um, say the sad thing, I'd just like to see if I can make a log request uh, for the Active Transportation Commission to take up um, the five recommendations I said, and I'm actually gonna add one more based upon another commissioner comments. Um, the item title would be Active Transportation Commission Recommendations on the 2024 Truxell Bridge Proposal. Uh, part two would be to have the ATC take up a vote on six formal recommendations made by Commissioner Gibson at the meeting on February 15th. 
um, see slides and I'll mention the other one in a sec. Uh, part one would cover, or sorry, item number one would cover the commissioner duties to advise staff and council on the implementation criteria and priority of pedestrian, pedestrian and bike, bike lane related policies and projects. And for the equity statement, um, Natomas being one of the most ethnically diverse communities in Sacramento is underserved community for transit, lacking light rail connection, and during winter is cut off from the central city for active transportation. And um, the sixth recommendation would be is to include an option for analysis that would be active transportation only. Is there any more information you need for that? I didn't understand what you said, I'm sorry. Sorry, uh, I have a little cold. Um, to take the five recommendations that were listed in my slide deck and add a sixth, which would be an active transportation only project for consideration for analysis. Okay. So now I just move on, correct? To the Commissioner next. Gibson, if we have follow-up questions, we'll be in touch with you. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Uh, Commissioner Haupt. Thank you, Chair. Um, first, I'd like to thank and congratulate, uh, and I'll go by first names here, Ali and Arlette and Jennifer for the excellent presentation that they made to the Personnel and Public Employees Committee. <clears throat> I don't know if any of you got to see the broadcast feed, but to say it was well-received would actually be an understatement. <clears throat> I think the uh, council members were very impressed with the presentation that was made. They were very impressed uh, that we put dollar amounts to what we were asking. Although, as everybody noted, given the current uh, climate for financing, many of those things are probably not going to be financed for some time. Um, one thing I do want to point out, as Jennifer noted at the outset of this meeting, um, current policy is that these items go to the consent agenda. However, as the committee chair noted, if there are members of the public or commissioners or city council members who wish to speak to this item, it will come off the consent calendar so that people can make their comments. If I'm available that night, I may very well want to speak to our construction and special event detour policy, which um, many of you probably don't know, was one of the very first initiatives that this uh, commission undertook, though many years ago when we were formed. Uh, and so to see it uh, almost uh, to fruition is a wonderful thing to see that finally happening. Um, it's something that this city has needed for a very long time, and I'm, I'm overjoyed to see that we're on the verge of seeing that happen. So if there are people who want to speak to this, please be aware that uh, it would be a matter, it would be a way to uh, highlight those things that we think are very important in the report. Under the Brown Act, we cannot, um, at least as a whole, we cannot uh, coordinate what we're going to say, but. I think if people want to take up what they feel is a is a favored issue, they should do so. And if any one of us wants to speak to the issue, then it comes off the consent calendar? Yes, that's correct. You you would need to put in a speaker request a speaker request as people do here, and note that you want to speak to consent agenda matter number, whatever consent matter agenda matter. If I may correct the statement, so it, an item on, there is a consent agenda, a, count, a whole bunch of items on consent at City Council. Anyone can speak to an item. Whether or not it comes off consent 
is at the discretion of city council members and if they get support from the mayor and other folks on council. Um, so it, you can still come and speak to it if it's on consent and it, if you want to make an impactful statement, having a lot of people to speak on an item is, you know, catches council's uh, um, attention, but it stays on consent until a council member pulls it off consent. I stand corrected. Thank you. A follow-up on this topic. Yeah, it's just very relevant to what he said. So during the um, PNPE committee, uh, Council Member Valenzuela did request of Chair Kaplan that um, our report move forward as a discussion item. Um, Council Member Kaplan declined that request. Um, so the report is going to go forward as consent, um, as Commissioner Hopp said, but just want folks in the room to know that a request was made uh, and declined. Thank you. And Ch uh, Chair Kaplan actually encouraged uh, speakers from the ATC to come and speak on that topic. So it, it would be really cool if you could be there. Yeah. Um, okay, Commissioner Harris. Two items I was gonna ask uh, whether, I guess it would be staff can confirm the date of that. Um, when, when it does get actually scheduled, I sometimes forget, especially if it moves, to check again. Um, and then I don't know if this has changed here, and I meant to check during comments, but I was recently at the um, Planning Commission. They had three minutes for speakers, and I so appreciate the public comment that we do receive. They are so thoughtful. I wanted to know if we are still at two minutes, if there is a way to make that three minutes for our very valuable public input. I'll defer to the clerk's office on that. We used to have three minutes, um, and at some point it switched. But we can check in with the clerk's office on that and, and get back to you. Hmm? Commissioner Gibson. Um, so since our last meeting, there's been at least uh, three fatalities uh, of pedestrians or cyclists um, in our community. Um, on January 23rd, a man named Willie Clarence Ray, 29, uh, night, roughly 11 o'clock on Capitol City Freeway, just south of Howell Avenue, near the Micronic Curve, was struck. Um, in my neighborhood, and man, I've been told it was about um, in his late 50s, was struck at 7 p.m., so not even that late, on the 1400 block of Garden Highway. Um, for those not familiar, that's very close to Chevy's on the river, so it's actually, it's, it's not, random highway, it's an actively used part of the community. And then on February 13th, um, a pedestrian was struck and killed on I-5 in South Natomas, right near the West El Camino off-ramp, struck by a big rig uh, at 4.20 in the morning. You know, I don't know if Truxel Bridge would have, if that was available as an option for crossing, you know, um, who knows if that situation could have been different. And just lastly, on a personal note, when leaving this community meeting last month, um, I, in, in the major intersection right in my neighborhood, there was a four car collision. Um, I got there before first responders arrived. I didn't do anything, I have no qualifications to treat anybody. But um, there was a four car collision and at least four people were hospitalized. Um, and I've since spoken to, well, um, a few commissioners and city council members about the scope of this commission. And I think um, there's worth conversation and consideration for fellow commissioners to bring to their community members, including electeds, if traffic safety in general should be considered for the scope, um, especially as I don't believe there's a dedicated commission for traffic safety in general. So thank you. Vice Chair uh, Gonzalez. 
Thank you, Chair. Uh, I just want to commend city staff for the work they've done in the past month at city council to help reduce uh, speeds and, and improve safety, uh, specifically speaking about the um, reduction of speeds uh, at three different sites throughout the city of Sacramento about two weeks ago at city council, and then last week um, the approval of some grant funding for some safe routes to school vision zero work around nine school sites. So commend you all for your efforts on that. Um, and then I want to put in a shameless plug. Uh, Slow Down Sacramento is going to be having a traffic safety forum on March 2nd at Tahoe Elementary at 11 a.m. And I invite everyone, if you hear my voice, to come. It's a free event. Uh, we're going to be having a robust discussion about some of the issues that we seem to be plaguing our city in terms of speeding and injuries to pedestrians and um, cyclists and other vulnerable road users and potentially some ways to move forward and hopefully emboldening um, people from different communities to become their own um, franchises, if you will, of slow down Sacramento within their own communities. We have a couple of groups in some neighborhoods already who are, are really starting to take and run with it and uh, would love to see it in every corner of the city. So March 2nd, 11 a.m., Tahoe Elementary. Um, you can go to slowdownsacramento.org and click on the safety forum for more information or to RSVP. Thank you. Commissioner Banks. Thanks. Um, I have something I'd like to also put onto the log for future discussion um, for us, and that it is basically something that we'd have to work with with the Parks and Recreation Commission, because I think it's time for us to get um, clarity and consistency about the way that people ride and walk on our protected um, uh, parkways and trails. So, for example, on the American River Parkway, a cyclist is riding on the right-hand side of the street, and walkers that are going in the same direction are on the opposite side of the street, so they're walking towards you as you are cycling, so you can see them. Down here in South Sacramento, we're heading towards Freeport um, on the Sacramento River uh, Parkway uh, Trail. It's the opposite. So if you're riding your bike down, down that um, path, then walkers are also walking. So as a cyclist, you're walking into somebody's back yelling out, hopefully using a bell, nicely saying passing on your passing on your left. That inconsistency for anybody who doesn't know this is uh, confusing, can be a, an incredible hazard for cyclists and for walkers and anybody who's traveling and wants to experience our trails. So I know that this is something that we could talk about, but I think that we need to talk about it and then somehow sync up with the Parks Commission because these are also possible rights of way that trails and stuff. It's just us, JDW. That would be awesome. Commissioner Banks, so shared years pass are under the purview of Public Works. Um, the area outside of the shared use path is youth parks and community enrichment. The American River Parkway is the county, not the city of Sacramento. Um, so it is a complex um, system and a number of entities that are engaged. Um, so if you'd like to agendize this or, or put it, I'm sorry, to put it on the log, um, we, can you clarify for us specifically the powers and duties that it applies to, uh, equity statement, you don't need to necessarily go through all that right now, but we do need that in the next week and a half um, so that we can add it to the log for next month. Um, uh, we'll send you all the pieces. No, I know what the pieces are because I've already talked to um, Jeff about them. Thank okay. you, Jeff. Um, but, um, you know, the four, the, the four questions, I feel like I'm doing, um, um, yeah, never mind. 
Um, uh, my question then is, um, if we get this agendized, then I need to identify who the other uh, larger organizations talking to the parkway, et cetera, right? So the county and then other, other act, active um, organizations that have rights of connection on these trails. Well, I think that depends on what your question is. Um, so if you're asking the question is, what is the city of Sacramento's policy? Um, or if you'd like to address the city of Sacramento's policy. You, we do not have any purview or discussion with outside entities, so it's not really right. appropriate to engage them in our conversations, if that makes sense. Well, but if it, I'm talking about, you know, just think about the American River Parkway that, that is part, I know it's not the purview of the cities, mm -hmm. however, it does go through the city and goes all the way up to, to Folsom. Um, if you are, if you spend any time on the American River Parkway, more often than not, um, the majority of people that ride and scoot, skate, walk, everything, even use horseback riding, walk their dogs, et cetera, understand it's like the local lore. You cycle on the right, you walk in the opposite direction. I'm looking for consistency about that across these trails that are on the levees, et cetera. And I'm, I know that those are all different uh, jurisdictions, but I think that we should either understand what the city's policy is, which I didn't know that there was a city policy, and um, to know what that is, and then to see if we can get consistency and agreement and alignment across the other entities. I appreciate that, Commissioner Banks. However, this body only advises the city of Sacramento, so we have to maneuver through that. The city of Sacramento's policy is that we walk and bicycle on the right, um, and not, we do not follow the same rules as the county on the parkway, which is very unique to the United States. Um, and so we're happy to bring forward our policy and our rationale. Um, however, if there's interest in a larger forum, that kind of, cre that creates a, a, a project or an effort for the city which is beyond the scope of this commission. I'm happy to t discuss this a little bit further with city leadership, but I my gut is telling me it's a little bit more than what we can do. Um, however, absolutely glad to agendize to outline what the city's, or put on the log, the city's uh, approach. Definitely a start. <laughs> Might add briefly to that, that's one of the most common complaints I have received over the years, is people who feel that the inconsistency between the county policy and the city policy is a, is a large problem for people using, uh, using the bikeways. Thank you. Commissioner Dorr Westbrook. Thank you so much. Um, I just had a request since we voted and approved the um, log with the addition of an Active Transportation Commission award. Um, just ask staff that that be on the agenda for our next meeting since May is coming up and I think ideally we'd like to give out um, that award then. Um, and so we'll want to have a discussion about what, what that looks like and um, also uh, get it out to folks to nominate um, individuals. Uh, so that was my first comment. Um, the other one was wondering if the clerk's office could pr provide um, any information around whether or not um, the ability to participate via Zoom will be added back uh, to commission meetings. I know there was the possibility. 
or discussion about maybe that might come back, but just wondering if you could provide an update on that. Uh, Julia Rothrock from the clerk's office. That was a decision made by city council. Uh, you are welcome to reach out to your council member regarding that. Okay, so no, there's been no discussion? No, as of now, there is no plan to return to Zoom. Okay. Yeah, I'll just um, add, I think we've all said many times that having the ability for the community to participate in our commission meetings via Zoom was a huge asset. We saw a lot more engagement, um, especially now with our meetings being moved to 530. It makes it even um, more difficult for folks um, to uh, engage in the conversations that we're having here. So I personally will be reaching out to my council member and would encourage others to do the same. Thanks. Commissioner Dewar Westbrook, by just my comment on your request for items to be on the agenda for next month. This is not a staff item, so if this is something that you'd like to sponsor, you, we expect that you would write that staff report and provide that to us. One, of, I want, would one note that um, other commissions that have awards are based on volunteerism. Um, so for example, Youth Parks and Community Enrichment does an annual award program, and that is for folks who volunteer in, within YPSI's programs. We don't have a similar system for that, so you'd have to, we would expect that you would develop a system that is transparent, um, and there's a way for nominations uh, for folks that are engaged. So um, just be aware that that's the expectation. It's not a staff-led thing because we don't have that program. Okay. All right, I'll try to think. <laughs> I'm just trying to think timing-wise. Maybe this year is gonna, it's gonna be a little difficult. <laughs> Um, okay, and we can't have subcommittees, so I basically we'll have to come up with something and then present it to you all. Cool, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> a little project for you. Okay, thank you. I think that's, oh, uh, excuse me, Commissioner Erasmus. Yeah, I'm learning that we can't have subcommittees, but I can support Allie in any way in writing a staff report because it's literally all I do all day. Happy <laughs> to help you. I got you, girl. <laughs> okay, the last item on the uh, agenda is public comments. Matters not on the agenda. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on public comments? Matters not on the agenda. Thank you, Chair. I have two speaker slips on this item. Our first speaker is Dan. Good evening again, Dan Allison, uh, resident of District 4. Um, two concerns that I wish to raise for the commission. Uh, one is the Broadway Complete Streets project that's underway. Um, construction is going on at several locations. Um, has reconstructed a sidewalk that is only 34 inches wide uh, on the north side between 17th and 18th Street. Not only does that not meet current PROAG standards of 48 inches, it doesn't even meet the prior ADA standards of 36 inches. It's a problem that um, the design should have seen coming and addressed in some manner, but it was not addressed. And I think the reason is, is because sidewalks were largely ignored in the project. Um, the focus was on 
um, the right-of-way and parking and not on the sidewalks that are adjacent. Um, the second thing is that Oakland Department of Transportation has developed a rapid response program. Um, and the intent of the program is when a fatality occurs, city staff immediately goes out and examines the location, makes recommendations for short-term changes um, that can be accomplished um, quickly and within the budget they have. And yes, they do have a budget. Um, and it is a possible use for the commission's request to council for funding for a quick build program. It's one of the things that that could be used for. I don't have much detail yet. When I get more information from OPDOT, I will pass it along to staff to be shared with you. Thank you. Thank you. Our next public speaker is Matt. Good evening again, Commission. Matt Anderson, District 4. Um, I'd like to echo what Dan said about the rapid response. I think that would be a, a really important resource in our community. Um, but what I'm also here today is to tell you I love alleys too. I think they're great. <laughs> and your conversation here made me think that it would be really cool to have an alley tour. Uh, if the Active Transportation Commission could have a regular meeting or a special meeting and do, you know, a tour of some of these um, cool projects that Public Works is doing and get out in the community. I know you love seeing me and Troy and Dan regularly. I appreciate that. But actually meeting people where they are, I think, is really important. And having the public see that you all exist and what you all are doing as well, I think would be pretty cool. And I really want to go check out those bollards. So just a suggestion, something to consider, um, doing some kind of an alley tour in the future. Thanks. Thank you for your comment. Chair, I have no more speaker slips. Okay, thank you. Um, this concludes today's agenda. Thank you everyone for your participation and the meeting is adjourned. One down. Get to the gavel, get to the gavel. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah.